Glad in it. On this Sunday, we celebrate the third Sunday of Advent. We give God the glory as we look towards hope and love in him. We thank you for joining us right where you are. And those who have amen, blessed to join us here in present. We want to welcome you to join us in fellowship and worship our awesome God. A little something like this. We say, Go ahead and welcome somebody in this place. Worship our God. Amen. Thank <laughs> you. 
celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior. Uh, we look towards the scripture. We'll have our time to reading. We'll look in the gospel according to Matthew 11 chapter. And as we prepare to receive uh, God's word, let's open up with a word of prayer. Mighty God, magnificent, benevolent Father, uh, thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your love towards us. Uh, thank you for blessing us with one more time to come together to worship you. We, we desire to worship you, Lord, in spirit and in truth as you desire. Uh, be with us, Lord, as we cast all our concerns, all our burdens, all our cares upon you. Uh, Father, for we're going through so many 
adversities within our lives and diverse challenges and tribulations. But, Father, we thank you through it all. Uh, you are God alone. Your love, your grace, and your mercy supplies everything that we need. Now, God, as we open up your word, we open up our hearts to receive a word from you. May we hear and understand and apply it into our hearts, that your word would be hidden in our heart, that we might not sin against you. In Jesus Christ's name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, the word of God, gospel according to Matthew 11, chapter, looking at the verses 1 through 10, reads, When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been ex- expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk. The lepers are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No. People with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes. And he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scripture refer when they say, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. Praise God for his word. May you be seated, and, and thank you for standing on the reading of God's word. Let's continue to worship our God through music. Oh, <laughs> 
Amen. We glorify your name above all names. Father, we just thank you for your precious, beloved Son that died on the cross for our sin, that we might know life and everlasting life. Lord, as we study more and learn more about him, may help us to walk and live for him. Help us to continue to keep our eyes set on him. Lord, we pray this moment, in this preaching moment, that we might see Jesus. And that you will be glorified, you will be magnified, and we be encouraged to continue to walk in humility in your presence. In Jesus Christ's name, Lord, we pray. Amen. As we are continue celebrating Advent, theme this week. We're talking about love and want to talk about how we want to be looking for hope and love. I'm going to lift up in our hearing again the New Testament scripture, Matthew 11 chapter. I'm going to stop at verse 3. So I'm going to read verses 1 to verse 3 to deal with our message for this morning as we will continue to walk through verses 1 through 10 in our text. Uh, New Living Translation reads again, when Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to reach, I'm sorry, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. I want to highlight here again, uh, many of you have a Bible that has red letters and which emphasizes when Jesus is speaking, hence they turn those letters red. Here, this gospel writer you see is not in red. It's the commentary giving you the setting of what is going on. First, it highlights to us that he has 12 disciples with him, which means he has chosen the 12. Secondly, it highlights to us that he is finishing up one area and has moved to another area. And he's going in an itinerant or a tour, if you will, around the region with his disciples. Then the text, verse 2, tells us, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing, so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Thank you for standing. Those who stand on the reading of God's word, you may be seated. As we look at this, as I talk, our subject theme, help me announce to your, your neighbor, tell them, looking for hope and love. What are you looking for? Times of adversity in our lives can cause us to question a lot of things. One of the most Questions, the most, I'm sorry, the most repeated question is why? Why am I going through this? Why me? Why did this have to happen? Then after you move past the why, we start wondering, well, what did I do wrong that made me deserve these things in my life? Adversity makes us question, saying things are going so well. What happened that this is giving me troubles now? We start to ponder and start to take inventory in our lives. Did I do something wrong? Should I be looking to do something else? 
Sometimes we may even second guess ourselves because we were successful, but now success is not looking as good as it used to be. We start not only to doubt our progression, but we start to doubt ourselves and start doubting everything we have done up to this moment. I want to encourage you to know that the enemy uses doubt as one of his tools. All it takes is just a little bit of doubt to topple a whole kingdom. You, we know how we say it another way, how a weak link. Your chain is only as strong as its weakest link, which means that if it's not dependable, no, once pressure is applied, it will break under pressure, and everything that was depending on it, trusting in it, will form a help of somebody today. That when we have doubts, all it, does, all it takes is just a little bit. And it will cause everything to fall apart. Notice here in this text, John is dealing with some doubt. How is it I can find John is dealing with some doubt? Well, he just asked the question, are you the expected one or should we keep on looking? Now, this should cause us to question John about what is he going through, that he is questioning the one he baptized. The one he saw when he came out the water, the heavens opened up and God spoke and a dove in a vision of the Holy Spirit came down and set on Jesus and he went out into the wilderness. Y'all know that's what John saw. Matter of fact, John said to Jesus, I should not be baptizing you, but you should be baptizing me. But Jesus let him know that this is to be done in the fulfillment of the prophecy that you are to baptize me. This same John that was boldly proclaiming the word of God in the wilderness that thongs of people go out to see him asking, what must I do to repent? Saying how tax collectors and soldiers and others are coming out saying, Lord, we want to be better than we are. The same John is the one that the king has in prison because he got tired of John telling him about himself. Telling the king how he's not right sleeping with his brother's wife. Y'all hear him? The king got mad and put him in jail. Once he was in prison, Matthew 4, chapter, verse 12 says, When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Thus, this began the public ministry of Jesus, following Matthew, telling the trials of Jesus in the wilderness in chapter 4, verse 17. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Not on, we find he calls his disciples and does his sermon on the mountain in chapter 5 to about chapter 7. And John, then Jesus' relative, is imprisoned because Herod, I said earlier, don't like hearing the truth about himself. But as we look closely into this text, John is trying to figure out, is this the same one? The one I baptized, the, the one I saw heaven open up, is this the same one? Or should I be looking for someone else? My question for you, are you looking for the right thing? We need to hold on to what we already know to be true. Notice how when we are successful, we don't question anybody. We already know it's working. We tell people, I got this. I know what I'm doing. But soon as you get trouble, 
Then you start wondering, was I doing it the right way? Here's the easiest thing for me to get right is this, that I, I am doing well putting something together. I have my screwdriver, and I'm screwing it, and I'm putting it on, and I get my wrench, and there's another part I got to put on, but all of a sudden, something's not turning right. Then I'm start questioning myself, am I turning it the right way? Been doing it the right way the whole time, but now it's not working right. It must be something wrong that I must be doing because it should be right. It should work right. And, and so this is what I got to do. I, I go get me a soda bottle or a water bottle and say, yeah, right here. Make it so, am, I, am I twisting it right? Then I put the bottle next to it and say, okay, yeah, I am doing it right. Okay, something else is wrong. But notice what happened there. I know the right way. I've been doing it the right way. But as soon as I get out first, I start doubting myself. Am I doing it the right way? Like, we are so easily manipulated. It don't take much. All we need is just a little bit of a bump in the lump. And, and, and all of a sudden, it's not as smooth as I think it is. Just a little bump. You know how they say you're on the car, how the suspension's supposed to be so good. Yeah, yeah, man, this drive's so nice, right? You're on the smooth pavement at that car lot. It, it drives around, and, oh, it's so smooth. But as soon as you go on the same road, you know, let me try it on this road. I know how this road is. <laughs> you start realizing, oh, not nah, smooth as they say it is. We understand when we go through a vast what to expect. But when it changes, we start questioning, am I doing it the right way? Am I headed in the right direction? Again, this is John, who is called by God, who is chosen by God to prepare the way for Jesus, is sitting in his prison wondering, is this the right one? Or should we be expecting? Now, notice that his disciples are only reciting what John says. They're not asking this question themselves. They're trusting in John. So John says, I need y'all to be my messengers and go talk to Jesus and find out is he the one we've been expecting. What are you expecting in your life? Again, the question, what are you looking for? When we are hit in times of troubles, in times of trials, in times of adversity, we start questioning, am I heading in the right direction? Even when you go to your own house, you can get lost because all of a sudden it just takes one distraction. Am I heading in the right direction? I could turn on the wrong street or, or, or we get so used to our own habits that you might get in the car, you head to one place, somebody said, where are you going? You're like, oh, my bad. Because <laughs> you had your mind made up, you knew where you were going, but yet all it takes is a little bit of distraction to get us off the right path. It's easy when we are full of ourselves and things are going well that we don't have any doubt. John, they have no doubt he's in the wilderness. They're coming out to see me. I'm preaching, I'm proclaiming. They're going back and telling everybody else. Now he's locked up. He can't go where he wants to go. He can't be out where he wants to be. Now he's chained and locked up, but he's getting reports back about someone doing some some amazing things. Say, I, I think he's the one, but can you verify this for me? We got to trust what we already know. John knew what he was looking for. So he knew what to ask. He had said, I need you to ask him, is he the one? Another thing to think about is that when you have plans and you work them out, map them out, your plan is going to work, but you don't oftentimes plan for adversity. In, in sports and athletics, they have to because that's how it works. You have offense, you have defense. So they got a plan. If this play does not work, here's our second option. But oftentimes in life, we got no plan B. Am I talking to somebody? 
all I got is plan A. This don't work. I don't know. We on something else. But this, this got to work. And we look to and try to be adapt and we nav- navy navigate and we amend our plans because we know where we want to go. But oftentimes when it gets too hard for us, we just give up and we let go and we don't keep on pushing. Mike Tyson has this very great quote about what happens when you make a plan. Uh, reporters asking him about was he concerned about how this this fighter is going to have a plan against him. He says everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And coming from Mike Tyson, that means something. Because everybody knows, no, you didn't want to get punched by Mike Tyson. The baddest man on the planet, right? The one that, that scared Leon Spinks, that he stayed in that corner, was gone in 90 seconds. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Just go, go research see if the fastest heavyweight championship defeat. <laughs> Leon Spinks beat Muhammad Ali. He should be able to beat Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson, I got him. <laughs> he didn't want none of them problems. Mike Tyson saying that as long as, once I hit you, I'm, I'm going to change your plan. You're going to find out, like, my punch is serious. Same things in life, right? We are okay till we get punched in the mouth. Now we got to get up. We got to gather ourselves. Can I see myself through? John got punched in the mouth. He was preaching, proclaiming. Now he got shut down. Now he's wondering, should I keep on looking for someone else or is this the one? Sometimes in life, do we pack it up or do we throw in the towel? Do we give up or we keep on pressing? If you don't know what you are looking for, you will sat- you can be satisfied with whatever comes your way. But one thing I want you to understand, that if you're looking for Jesus, you're going to find out he cannot be replicated, he cannot be duplicated, he cannot be replaced. There's only one. And he can satisfy all the things you're looking for in life. Jesus finds that John is in need of some help. So he says, John, you already know what to look for because you were preparing the way. And so look how Jesus answers the question. He didn't say, I am. He could have said, I am. He could say, I am that I am. I am who you are looking for. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. He could have told him all that beautiful things, let him know, I am the lily of the valley. I am the line of the tribe of Judah. I am the root of Jesse. But no, he said, don't go and tell him I am. Just tell him this. Y'all see that there in verse 4? Go to, Jesus told him, go back to John and tell him what you have heard. And seen. What, what, what have you heard and what have you seen? So obviously Jesus already knows that John, you've been getting the reports. What were the reports that John was receiving? The blind received sight. The lame being able to walk. Those who had leprosy were being cured. Those who are deaf began to hear. Those who are dead were being raised back to life. And notice the last thing he said. And the good news is being preached to the poor. And then there's a blessing here to let John know that everything's going to be all right, John. God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. John, being a prophet himself, is familiar with the prophets. And therefore, Isaiah 29 and 18 reminds us when you look in the Bible, in that day, the deaf will hear words read from a book and the blind will see through the gloom. And darkness. I, I believe John was familiar with that. And then Isaiah 26, 19 says, but those who die in the Lord will live. Their bodies will rise again. Those who sleep in the earth will rise up and sing for joy for your life giving light will fall like dew on your people in the place of the dead. And then Isaiah 61 verse 1 says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives will be released and the prisoners will be free. So I, I understand when Jesus was telling them this, that John was getting up the signals here. If y'all don't understand here, that John knows what the word says. See, we, we are blessed now that we become lazy, that we can just open up our Bible any time and look at it. But everybody have books. In order for them to know the word, they had to memorize the word. And so when Jesus dropped in those verses there, John was able to pull up the catalog like some of us do. When somebody gives you a favorite line from a movie, you can get the whole script out. All they got to do is say one line and you remember, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. We, 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 we know when we sing a line from a song, people say, I know exactly what song you're talking about. They don't have to say the full song, but you get, I know what you're talking about. So here it is. You see, he dropped those nuggets in and says, I'm the one. The prophecies have been told. I'm the one you've been preaching about. I'm the one you've been talking. I'm the one you've been hearing about. I want to confirm you already know the truth. Let me help you out. Sometimes in life, people want you to believe a lie when you already know the truth. Just go back to what you can already prove. Oftentimes, we make faith sound like it is something magical or some kind of mythological thing, but faith is reality. Faith is, is something real. Faith is not something made up. We, we, we use it sometimes to talk about you gotta take a leap of faith, meaning that you're taking a jump, don't know where you're landing, but that's not how I use my faith. I know where I'm landing. It's on Christ. The solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. See, faith means that I have trust in my next step. I was at a few more witnesses here. Faith means that I am depending on the one that can make nothing into something. Faith means that I know that if he says walk, I know there's a bridge somewhere. That's why when he says, tell them what they have seen, Matthew 9, 27 has the story account of how after Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him shouting, son of David, have mercy on us. You see, Matthew is, is letting you know that Jesus has done these things prior before John asked him what's going on, that he's able to give the blind sight. We know it in another way in amazing grace. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. The devil wants to blind us and keep us in the dark, that we might not see Jesus for who he is. We allow people to lie to us and deceive us and have us thinking about what he looks like. But then again, sometimes we fool ourselves to think about what he looks like. Jesus said earlier, I'm sorry, not earlier, but later on in the same text, he says, when you went out into the wilderness, who did you go to see? Did you go see a man in fancy clothes? No, you did not because you will find them in the palace. You don't find somebody in fancy clothes out there in the wilderness. No, you went out to see a prophet. You went out to see one who speaks and tells the truth. But I encourage you that oftentimes that we have been blinded to see Jesus as something that he is not. We, we get caught up now. People can make you feel good and make you look good and tell you good, but they're not good. The gospel does not tell you that you will be rich and never be poor on earth. I will be rich and never be poor in heaven. But while I'm here on earth, Poverty's gonna find its place. I was at a few more witnesses. I, I, I wish I could fill the church up and tell you that all you gotta do is name it and claim it and grab it and blab it and you can have everything that you want. And people fill up the church and everybody have a rose rose. 
But yet we know that if that is so true, then why we still got people starving under the bridge? But you got people living in 15 rooms but only live by themselves. See, the Bible tells that when we understand to see him for who he is, that we are giving. We are caring. It's nice that you have all those philanthropists, those billionaires, how they're going to spend their money out, you know, until they have nothing left. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. Uh, But yet you're doing that then and now. But yet what were you doing before that? It's amazing how we want to cure wealth so we can show it off and flaunt it. And that's what we live in. That's why people buy the magazine. Who's who's on this list? Who's on that list? But yet, has anybody curated a list of the greatest servants? Have they publicized that on your morning national media shows? You go on and say, I want to find out who's the best servant in my community. But Jesus says, who? The greatest of these is the least of these. The one who is your servant and serves the most is the greatest. We need to remove the blinders, start seeing Christ for who he is, that he's not here to serve us as to make us something better, but we are to serve him as he makes us better, that he changes from the inside out. He changes our heart. He changes our tongue. He changes our mind. And here's another thing, too, that he says he's making the lame to walk. Oftentimes, those who are lame, they were either possessed by a devil, they were possessed by a spirit, or they were born Paralyzed, and Jesus pointing out that I can change your situation. This was another thing. All these miracles that are happening is a sign of the ushering of the kingdom is at hand. Jesus preaching the gospel saying, repent for the kingdom is at hand. Because in the presence of Jesus, those that are infirm, those who are ill, have the power to be changed and become something whole and something beautiful before him. And this is just a taste. This is just a glimpse of when he comes back again for the second time that we all will be changed. And there'll be no more death. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more suffering. But if we get a glimpse of that, that when he can make the lame to walk and he can heal those with leprosy. This other thing about leprosy to us doesn't seem something about, but we kind of kind of got a taste of it, of dealing with when someone is sick and they're in isolation or when someone has a, a disease and they can no longer be around somebody. You got to cover up. And we know this now because of COVID, right? When someone gets sick, we got to protect ourselves, not only for ourselves, but to protect them. And we understand how some people get sick and say, yo, don't come by me. Stay with me. I'm quarantined in my house. They let you know. Just drop it off at the door. I will pick it up when you get in your car and you drive off. Make sure we don't have no problem. We understand what it means. But imagine in times of leprosy that you cannot be in your house, but they keep you out the city. And you're out there with other people looking like you. And that's the only place you can come. You can't be touched. You can't be walked by. Because if you walk by, you got to say, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. But here it is that Jesus comes near the unclean, touches them, and makes them whole. What are you looking for? When you feel like nobody loves you and cares for you, have you found Jesus? To find out that he loves you just because of who you are. Not because what you can do or what you will do, just because of who you are. And who are you? You are a child of God. Who are you? You are his creation. Who are you? You are his blessed creation. He said, very good, when he made Adam and Eve. We were made in the image of God. We bear his image. And when he formed us and shaped us and created us, he called us to be his children. 
And when you know you belong to him and you are loved from him, then times when you have doubt and times you have insecurities and times that you feel you can't make it, remind yourself, open up the word of God and find out that you are loved. The Psalms of Spirit is saying, great is thy faithfulness. <laughs> Lord, you are slow to get angry, but abounding in love. You are a present help in a time of trouble. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is the strength of my life, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, whom shall I be afraid of? We can look up to the hills which come with our help. Our help comes from the Lord. The earth is Lord, the fullness thereof, and all that belongs to it. See, I can quote these scriptures, remind myself, I'm not by myself. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. He came proclaiming the truth. So that ears can be opened up, eyes can be opened up. And then, not only in his proclaiming, have you heard, he raising the dead to life. Matthew 9, chapter, verse 25 says, after the crowd was put outside. However, Jesus went in and took the girl by the hand and, and she stood up. Some of us know this story. This is a good Southern School story right here because this Matthew 9 is filled with that, that's the, the guy saying, can you come to my house? And He's going to the house, but then he gets interrupted with a woman with the issue of blood. <laughs> but also, that's when the men want to be healed by blind. So you see Jesus do all these miraculous things on his way to the house. And they told him, say, Master, you took too long. She did. He kicked everybody out. and just brought a few in and grabbed her by the hand and said, daughter, get up. And then she was raised from dead. Well, I'm going to help you out. In times like this, as John, too, you might be feeling dead. You might feel the hopeless. You might feel like there is no life. You might feel this is the end, and you're ready to fold it up. You're ready to throw in the towel. You're ready to give up, but you'd have to try Jesus. When others tell you it cannot be done, have you tried Jesus? When others tell you that it's impossible, have you tried Jesus? Where he says, for man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. We tell somebody that it's too hard, tell, tell them that God says anything too hard for God. We understand. We're living a time that we're feeling of hatred, feel of pain and angst and anger that people are trying to kill us and destroy us for whatever the reasons. We can realize that though he slain, yet I will trust him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That we understand that he's preaching the good news to the poor. The poor are being encouraged to know that their hope is in the kingdom of heaven. Their hope is in Jesus Christ. Do not dress Jesus to be something who you want him to be, but find him expressed as it is within the text. Notice that once he tells those disciples of John, tell them what he has seen and what he has heard. He says, go back to and tell John what you have heard and sin. And this also suggests to us that these disciples were witnesses to what they saw Jesus doing. And so that they could go say firsthand, this is what we've seen him do to give John confirmation. But once Jesus understood that those disciples are taken care of and John's understanding, he looks to the crowd. Y'all see that there? As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go in the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No. People with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes. 
and he is more than a prophet. John is a man whom the scripture refer when they say, look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. Continuing on, I tell you the truth of all who have lived. None is greater than John the Baptist, yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcibly advancing and violent people are attacking it. For before John came, all the prophets and the law of Moses looked forward to this present time. And if you are willing to accept what I say, he is Elijah. The one of the prophets said will come. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. I close out showing how John is all he was supposed to be. John was suffering doubt, asking the question. Jesus has confirmed him. It's okay. Go tell John. It's okay. But those who had the doubters and the distractors that were there within the crowd, he said, I can't let you leave being confused. John is everything that he said that he is. And he is greater than y'all understand that he ever will be. And because you are attacking him, you are the violent ones attacking the kingdom, the kingdom is still advancing. At this very moment, at this very time, Jesus says. And I'm here to declare to let you know that Jesus still is king. He still is exalted. And his kingdom still is advancing. And I want to continue on that you need to keep on marching, knowing that, know that the enemy's trying to kill you. He's trying to bring doubt. He's trying to, he's trying to stop you from succeeding and performing and doing everything exceedingly above, beyond. You can ask or think or even imagine according to the riches of the power of God in Christ Jesus in you. Keep on pressing on. Keep on pushing yourself. Understanding this, that Jesus pointing out to us that the kingdom shall advance. That's what he told when he's on his way out. He told him that the gates of hell shall not prevail. Upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to encourage you to understand that I don't know what you're going through, but I can tell you whatever you're going through, God can pull you through. So I want to encourage you to keep on looking for hope and love. Don't get caught up with all this negativity. Don't get caught up with all this doubt, all this why me, where am I going, start questioning but start looking and say, Lord, you know where I am. And you know where I'm going. And say, Lord, give me some direction. You, you, you look up on your device all the time for direction. And you trust them to take you wherever they're going to take you to go. Well, can you do the same for our God? That he knows all things. That he's the author and the finisher of our faith. That he knows the beginning and the end. And he knows everything in between. Will you not trust him and realize that you can, you can put in your location, starting from this location. We do the same thing with God. Lord, I got lost. So starting from this location, get me on the right path. Lord, I'm, because my hope is in you. My hope is an expectancy of things good to happen. And Lord, you are good. So if I put my hope in you, I'm expecting something good because I serve a good God. All the time, God is good, right? We serve a good God. And when we know we serve a good God, knowing all things he does is well, all things he does is good, and he operates by love. And because how he loves us, we'll be never left nor forsaken. Because that he loves us, he will provide for us better than we could ever provide for us. And because he loves us, even when we mess up, even when we're wrong, even when we're down, we're depressed, we're saddened, his love is strong enough 
to remind us. Notice that he did not condemn John. No, he did not chastise John. He just reminded him, you already know the truth. Tell him what you have seen. Tell him what you have heard. And I encourage you in times of doubt, in times of pain, in times of darkness, remind yourself of the light. Remind yourself of his love. Remind him what you have seen. Remind yourself what you have seen and what you have heard. You've seen him redeem. You've seen him forgive. You've seen him save. You've seen him do awesome things in other people's lives. And may you be reminded about how he loves you and how he cares for you. And may that bring you out of that part of darkness and bring you out of the time of depression, bring you out of the time of anger, the time of anguish, and understand that this adversity was only there, was only there trying to stop you, but they can't stop what God has started. And he who has begun a good work will complete it to the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Tell your neighbor he's coming back again. Let us pray. Mighty God, we just thank you that in you we find hope, that in you we find love. And no matter what we're going through, Almighty God, help us continue trusting you and depend on you. Now, Lord, there might be someone that does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that they can confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross for his sins and he defeated death by rising from the grave on the third day. And all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And, Lord, I pray you help guide them to a Bible-believing, preaching, teaching church where they can continue to grow in the admonition of the Lord in Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we pray. Amen. As we continue on the words, we're prepared to give God his tithes and our offering. You're welcome to join us. Also, those online to be able to provide your tithes and your offering. Uh, as we prepare to give God what already belongs to him, um, let us pray over this offering. Mighty God, we freely give back to you what already belongs to you. Bless and multiply and increase it. Lord, bless those Lord has desire to give, but yet have not. We thank you, Lord. You provide our every need. And so, Father, we cheerfully want and cheerfully, humbly give back to you as you bless and multiply and increase it for the continued work of your kingdom. In Jesus Christ's name, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 You can find the, the instructions of the ushers. Amen.
announcements as we, we should come. We want to share. Uh, we have our full team leadership meeting scheduled for this Tuesday, 6 p.m. So our leadership does, deacons, trustees, for us have our leadership meeting uh, for the end of the year this Tuesday. And then also we want to share that we have some uh, some to go bag refreshments, amen, uh, for you. So you can grab it and go, amen. And also you can grab it and stay uh, for Sunday school that's going to be right here immediately after worship service on today, amen. 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 Let us rise. Oh, sorry. Also, photos today again. Uh, if you for the our um, designs directory, you want your photos in the directory. Deacon Kyle, we're doing the uh, photos for that. And also, you need to update your address, see Sister uh, Rosemary. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Eleven wise fathers, as we leave this place, never in your presence, may the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit guide us and direct and keep us until we all meet again. All God's children sing this together. Oh. 